yeah, a lot of censorship. Noise. Yeah, I forgot. Actually, I've got a beeping noise. So I can I can just chuck in the beeping I'll noise. Chuck in yeah. that, then. You can say. Perfect. Make it a Quentin Tarantino podcast thing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the On The Line podcast. It's me, Jack Edward, and my co-host. Gavin Lang. Hello. Gavin Lang. Hi again, Gav. How was your holiday? It was very good. Uh, very warm and uh, a bit of mixed weather. bit of thunderstorms and uh, some sun as well. So it was a mixed bag, but uh, I guess you can't expect anything uh, else. But it's summer, really, can you? No, not at all. Where are you? Okay, uh, the tropical uh, highlight of York, really, which oh, is okay. Uh, okay. not that tropical, but um, well, <laughs> plenty of things to do. Um, good week away as well, especially with the COVID situation. You don't know when you're going to have a chance to go away again. So um, I know, yeah, I was good to take way. that chance, you know. But uh, back now and uh, looking forward to discuss all the events that we're doing, obviously. Yeah, awesome. So, so you must have uh, been catching up on a few of the matches then, I guess. I don't know how much yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Watched some highlights, saw some of the matches, uh, saw all the semis and finals. But uh, uh, whatever matches I missed, I just watched the highlights of. So it was ideal, really. Saw most of the action. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Okay, well, we could start by recapping the, the winners, of course. Um, we've got Novak Djokovic won the men's singles against... Matteo Berrettini and Ash Barty won the ladies' singles against Karolina Pliskova. And then we can, I'll just run through a few of the other winners as well. Let's not forget about our doubles champions. We've got Nikola Mektic and uh, Mati Pavic won the men's doubles. Sesu Wei and Elise Mertens, I always get that wrong, tongue twister, won the ladies' doubles. And then the mixed was Neil Skupski and, oh, I don't know that name, Desiree Krab- Krajcik. Yeah. Know, first one for me. <laughs> Right, yeah, start with the men's, the men's singles. Of course, it wasn't that surprising that, that Djokovic won. I don't know if anybody that's not a, a Djokovic fan will enjoy his win so much. Uh, I mean, it's the third one, third slam this year. He really is on a roll. He's destroying every next-gen, putting his path. I don't know how you feel about it, Gav, but I, I feel as a t- sort of neutral party, I find it quite impressive, the run he's on. And I'm quite, I'm kind of enjoying it in that respect. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think if you've followed the game for a long period of time, certainly the past decade or so, um, there has been a tendency for Djokovic to be underrated. I think certainly crowds have behaved pretty um, appallingly towards him in certain respects. Not hostile, but mean enough. Yeah, I mean, 2015 US Open final comes to mind, you know, uh, fans cheering double faults and, uh, you know, shouting out during the point. It's For me, it's just... uh, I'm not a fan of any particular player, you know. I'm I'm quite neutral like anybody else. Um, but yeah, just p- pretty disappointing to see people the way he's treated. Well, he, he way he's been treated over the past uh, 10, 15 years, whatever. I yeah, think, the, the uh, free. I've I've seen this tweet before. The the free people who get the most support at, at, oh, yeah, at matches. Rosberg, yeah, yeah. Ben Rothenberg's. Yeah, it's it's Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and whoever is playing Novak Djokovic, and it happens. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, final as well. Saw a tweet from uh, a guy I was like for an interview from I think Australian Open 07 when Djokovic retired or whatever, and Federer was like saying, "Oh, he retired again. He's you know he's not got much fight in him and stuff." And then you you know go fifteen odd years later, and all of a sudden he's got more fight than anyone else in the game. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> his comments are sort of coming back to bite him, but uh, no, I'm I'm with you. I think it's great to see someone play sport at such a high level. I think uh, the mentality he's got. Mm. Totally different to 
any other player, even Rafa, because I think Rafa's not had to deal with the hostility that Novak has, even when he's playing Roger, because even the Roger fans sort of tend to respect Rafa more than Novak. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's great to see him finally getting the credit he deserves. Do I think he's the GOAT? Well, I hate the GOAT debate, personally, to be honest. Ah, so do I. I don't never want to get involved in it. Uh, you can't compare the likes of Rod Laver from the 60s to uh, Boris Becker to Sampras to Federer. You know, racket technology changes, different tennis balls, different surfaces, different speeds of surfaces, you know. Yeah. Um, changes go on and on. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's great what he's doing and uh, hope it continues for him. 100%. One thing I would say about is when, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't have seen all the matches from start to finish then, Gav. So it's just quite interesting that perhaps I've not, I've made, I'm making an article on it at the moment, a few analyses of his last two matches, but I've not touched on this so much because it's a little bit unquantifiable. He's winning these tournaments and I still don't think he's playing quite his best level. I agree. Yeah, totally with you. I mean, if we take the, the the first round, for example, against Jack Draper, a really slow start, especially in his return of serve, he couldn't return the ball in the court, you know. Uh, I'd, al- I'd almost chalk that down to the sort of, you know, channel slam factor, though, in fairness, sort of going yeah, straight from clay to grass, I suppose. Even in that final yesterday, you know, I think he was maybe playing six out of ten for the first maybe. Yeah, yeah. Hour, two hours, you know. Um, Boris Becker couldn't stop going on about it. it was I know, like... Becker was on a panic attack, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. Henman yeah. him, him was quietly uh, pleading for Berrettini to win. <laughs> he's gutted the Rogers in there. You've got, you've got Boris Becker going on about Novak. You've got Andrew Castle just talking random nonsense. He keeps reminding us, Andrew Castle, that we're, we're watching Wimbledon. We know we're watching Wimbledon. He goes, You're I know, yeah. It's final. Like, thanks for that. I mean, it's the golf comparisons that get me with Andrew Castle. I just I don't get why he needs to keep comparing it to another sport. It's like, oh, um, I know. It's like, uh, thank it's God. Tennis. Thank God. I know we're watching that. Like, I, that just gave me <laughs> such relief, you know, knowing that. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, what can you say? I mean, yeah, Becker, Becker knows Novak, obviously, from coaching him and stuff. But, yeah, uh, so it's fair enough. It's fair enough he has to say. He's a good job say. of staying neutral, relatively neutral. And yeah. Maybe not 100% neutral, but as neutral as you could hope for a pundit to be, I guess. I think, I think he was, definitely. I'm just, I, I definitely think this is, obviously, he's won three slams and this isn't a revelation that I'm going to say this, but 100%. This is his best year for winning the US Open again. Like he's if he's winning at that level, the US Open probably is weakest well, almost definitely no, well probably is weakest slam, even though he's won the French less times. I, I would say just the way he's playing, you know, he could yeah, fifty percent I think he could win against most people. Yeah, I mean the only fact would be burning out after the Olympics, or whatever, but uh I think he's at the stage of his career now where he can manage his schedule better than he would have done in the past. So, Saying uh, that, he's, he's not even a definite for the Olympics, actually. He yeah, I know. The I, mean, I think he'll go because I think he wants that medal. I think Serbia means so much to him from winning the ATP Cup, Davis Cup as well. I think he will go. But yeah. it's, whether, it's whether he can win that and then go to New York, have the energy reserves left, playing the humidity in New York as well. That's a fact. It's not so much the heat, it's more humidity. Um, yeah. You know, again, it's going to be difficult for him, but, you know, as I said, he's full of confidence. You, you want that slam to complete the career slam more than ever and to complete that year slam. So I think, um, is, it, is it guaranteed? No, but I think he's certainly going to be a definite favourite to do it. I mean, I can't yeah. The, the problem, yeah, I was just about to say that. The problem is I can't, I can't picture somebody else holding the trophy. I don't know who's going to beat him in my head. You know, if he was going to get beaten, I think Medvedev's maybe got the best chance that might be it. 
Maybe it's very fast serving those hard mm, coats. I mean, I just, he's still not reliable enough, I think. I could be wrong, but I think he's not reliable enough. Boy, maybe. Uh, Andre Rublev. Yeah, boy, boy might be able to. Maybe he's still, could, still a little one-dimensional for the likes of Novak Djokovic, I think. Yes. So I think Medvedev, I'll hold out a, a small hope for him, but I think, yeah, it's probably Djokovic's. But we'll see, we'll see. Like, let's move on to another another winner. Djokovic has had his fair share this week. I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing about him. <laughs> uh, Ash Barty winning Wimbledon was a, a much more unpredictable... Well, you know, obviously she's the number one, but it's certainly more unpredictable story than Djokovic winning, and it was really lovely to see her picking up her first Wimbledon trophy, having won the junior title 10 years ago. Yep. She beat Carolina Pliskova in the final, and for a while it was looking like the final was going to be Another six love, six love repeat of yes. the Masters that Puskova had earlier in the season. Puskova started so slowly, it was ridiculous. I think she lost the first 12 points or so. She yep. looked super nervy. Fortunately, it did actually turn into into a, a final. First and foremost, she actually started putting her serve in the court like over 100 miles an hour. It was, it was so slow for the first, like set almost to even she managed to win three games but two of those were breaks mm. uh, so yeah fortunately Pliskova did turn up eventually the returns were flying the serves were flying uh, she stopped Barty serving out the match in the second set it turned into a really exciting match I'm really glad that she put uh, Barty won it the way she did in the end yeah no absolutely I think it's great as well because uh, you know when you think of women you think oh big servers you know big ground strokes going to dominate the AC Sabalenka in the draw you see Pliskova, you think, oh, they've got maybe more power. But Barty, you know, the extra variety, the slices, the spin she puts in the ball. Yeah. It's good for the game of tennis in general that we've got someone winning a Grand Slam that just doesn't blast the ball all over the court, you know, to try and outpower and outmaneuver players. I think the, the ability to use tactics, to use a slice and to try and move players around is a very underrated skill. I think it's good that we're seeing winners of the biggest tournaments in the game with that sort of game style. She's just so, such a, an effective player. She's because she's so short. Not only does she have it, well, she has. Not only does she have that amazing serve, even though she's five foot five, she's an amazing returner as well. Yeah, and, uh, moves really well. Yeah, I don't know why she hadn't won it earlier. Earlier, to be honest, because the slice was absolutely up. Piskova's game because she's so tall obviously she has to get so low down to those slices and it, it, it was good to see Piskova adjust as well eventually she was staying away from the, the the backhand as much and she was just going for a massive shot sometimes just to stop that from happening stopping the tempo getting slowed down by Barty it was it was a really exciting match and I'm really glad it turned out the way it did yeah no great you saw competitive final and um Pliskova, you know, you, you really worried for, you know, she had that humiliating defeat in Rome. You think, well, how does somebody get over that for the rest, not just the rest of the year, but the rest of your career? Yeah. Big final, big stage, and you just get blown away like that by a fellow top professional. But, um, no, great. I think she can use that as a bit of momentum. Can she win Wimbledon the next few years, whatever? Of course she can. I mean, the games, the women's game in particular is so wide open now that literally... It's a nightmare trying to predict any tournament because you just. I mean, yeah, I was saying at the start of the tournament, Pesco was going in the first round, so yeah, there you well, go. We might not want to bring those predictions up, but uh, I know, <laughs> I know, I thought I'd hold my hands up. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. I think Pescova still needs to deal with the nerves if she is winning a slam. That first set was pretty much gifted to Barty, yep. and obviously, having won the second set, she actually was in with a real chance of winning it. So, had she not had those nerves at the start, who knows? It might have been a different story. Because she was playing yeah. amazingly against Sabalenka, 
I don't know if you saw any of this Avalanche match, but she basically she she uh, lost. <laughs> Eight break points, I think, in the first set. Didn't yeah, break didn't once. Yes, yeah. yeah. Savalenko won that set, and Pliskova just turned up in the second set like nothing had happened. Just got on with it, and it was it was a really impressive performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my probably my favorite match of the tournament. It was it was a really good to watch her sort of overcome that because I think had she done that, had she went down a set a few years ago, she wouldn't have come back from that after having so many break points. So she's always yeah, she yeah, yeah. Just change something mentally, which is really good to watch. The other thing I'd say about um, the final or about Ash Barty's run, even the semi-final match, this kind of segues nicely into favourite matches of the tournament. The semi-final match was outstanding quality. Her against Angelique Kerber. I've never seen Barty play a better match, maybe. I don't know if I want to say that, but yeah, certainly I mean, close. Yeah, I mean, it was an extraordinary performance. I mean, unbelievable. I mean... Again, it just shows you that uh, Barty, you know, you think of Barty and you think, well, there's no reason why she couldn't win even all four slaps, you know, the way she's played. You know, it's just, um, I think she'll pick, pick up the Australian at some point and the US at some point. You can see her winning the career slam in her career because it's just um, remarkable. When you think of her winning Roland Garros, and you think, well, will her game translate well to the grass as well? And she's able to do that, you know. It's just yeah, great to see, you know. It's amazing to see, yeah. I thought her against Kerber, Kerber was playing in, playing really, really well, actually. I, I was really surprised at how well she was playing. She's just not brought that form to the court in years and years. I think grass definitely helps a lot for a game, to be fair. Really, it allows that backhand to fly in particular. Um, and it gives her returns a bit more pop, too. And Kerber's level was so high, but Barty responded. Just amazing serves again, and just coping with that that backhand so well. It's like Kerber was hitting it into the corners and Barty was still able to get some defensive slices back into play. Yeah, just super impressed with it. And I'm I'm, I'm really glad as well Kerber's sort of back to a form where she could actually challenge for slap. Well, maybe just Wimbledon, but we'll see. Maybe she's in slam competing for him. Uh, hopefully, hopefully she is anyway. That does lead on to another question. Do you think maybe that is Kerber's last chance at a slam? Or do you think she's ageless like the others? It's that... always difficult to predict. Um, I think she could win another Wimbledon. I mean, she's won it before. She's got that experience when it comes to the big pressure moments. If she finds herself maybe making the semis, maybe there's a few players that have never won a slam before, that would give her maybe a chance to kind of have that advantage of having the mentality of I know what to do to win it. I mean... I think I think she could. It's going to be difficult, but I would never write her off. You know, I think there's certainly an opportunity for her to do it. For yeah. sure, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I I hope you're right anyway. But I I mean the sort of agelessness of the women's side is a little unprecedented. There's not many modern players that have done super well after the age of thirty. I don't have it in front of me, but certainly Serena Williams and. Venus to an extent but not so much are kind of the only players I can think of that are really only Serena actually I don't think Venus has had anywhere near the success Serena Williams has had over the age of 30 so I I think Serena Williams is an exception to the rule there's not really many other people that are so successful late in their careers yeah so I don't know if my my gut feeling is that might have been Kerber's last chance not right now off I don't want to write her off. Of course, I don't. Uh, that, that's my gut feeling, definitely, which is a shame. I really don't want that to be the case, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't see the the men's final. 
I, I just would touch on the fact, though, that Nikola Mektic and Mati Pavic are having the season of their lives. They're just a the pass above everyone at the moment, aren't they? Just <laughs> they're, I mean, they're absolutely amazing. It's just mental how much they've won this year. overcome the, the Marcel Grenoyer's grunt in the final as well. I mean, to hear that <laughs> three and a half hours, I mean, that, that's a testament to how mentally tough they are in itself. I, mean, I think if I was playing against that, I'd go mental. Just the constant unnecessary grunt. But um, no, in all seriousness, Great returners, great service. No, they they complement each other really well. And I think going into the Olympics, if they're playing that, um, can't see them walking away with anything but the gold, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that was title number seven this, this year yeah, or something like that. It actually yeah. could be title number seven. Unfortunately, I, I, do, I pretty much exclusively analyse singles matches. Doubles matches are so much harder to analyse and it's so much harder to quantify why they're having such a brilliant season this year, to be honest. That's just how doubles works, isn't it? Yeah. Like, t- there tends to be a lot of momentum in play. It's just like having success breeds more success. It's like... Yeah, you- confidence plays a massive part, especially in the champ- yeah. tie-break format, you know? Like, they, they've won pretty much, I think, something like 80% of all the Champions tie-breaks this year. Yeah, that, oh, 100%, I mean. something like that, yeah. Yeah, mental. It's really impressive. I, I, I'd i like to see them keep doing well because I like the two of them, uh, particularly Pavic's game, which is is very exciting to watch. He's, he's such a good server. And yeah, I, I hope they keep doing well, definitely. I mean, uh, just a bit on the British contingent, I guess. I don't know how much Jamie Murray's going to be doing at the moment. And he just, he's, those two seem to have lost it a little bit. I can't remember the last time they did well at anything. Yeah, uh, Jamie but- and Bruno, I mean, sorry. Um, so. We'll yeah, see it's, what happens. it's difficult. I don't know how much we've been able to train because of COVID. I think Jamie Murray tweeted a few weeks ago about the hotel situation, in, you know, in Paris for the French Open. Maybe that's been a bit distract, distracting off the court. We don't know. But um, look, okay, Jamie's still a top player. I don't don't think there's any reason why he can't come back to near the top of the game. You know, can he win another men's doubles Grand Slam if you find the right partner? Who knows, you know? I mean, there's so, so maybe- much time. Maybe a change in partner, Gav? Maybe, maybe. I mean, John McEnroe, I think, was saying that he won his last Grand Slam title at 46 in doubles, so he's got a lot of time to... 46? Oh, yeah, my God. Like uh, I think it was 2006 in the mixed doubles for Wimbledon. Jesus. I mean, he's still allowed back after his temper tantrums that he's still had <laughs> to play with. But, yeah, no, um, listen, he's got plenty of time. Um Hopefully. Maybe seeing Salisbury and all that having the success, Skupski having the success, maybe that will motivate him further to come back next season and rejuvenate his game. But uh, oh, look, I think he's going through a bit of a rough spell at the moment, but I think he will come back and I think um, he will start winning titles again. He's too good a player not to. Great volume. He's, ama- yeah, he's an amazing doubles player, right? I really hope you're right. But maybe he's lost a bit of his touch, but I, I don't know. We'll see. I, re- I really hope you're right, Gav. 100%. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, I, I would I would ask as well, what do you think about Matteo Berrettini? We've got, you know, Ewan Wilson from Newlands Tennis Club, quote unquote, he said, Berrettini is a poor man's Ranich. <laughs> agree, agree or disagree? I think that's um, unfair. I strongly, strongly disagree with that. Um, <laughs> strongly disagree. I think if you look at Berrettini... If we look at the mentality of Bertini, you know, if you not been harsh on Raonic, but if, if Raonic was 5-2 down against Novak in that situation, playing the tennis that he was, you know, Bertini was not playing very well for the first 40 minutes, let's be brutally honest. I think that's a polite way of putting it. He'd probably say some words in Italian we can repeat on this podcast, mm-hmm, depending mm-hmm. censorship. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think if Bertini was 5-2 down, 
face set point, got through it and started to find his form again. Would Raonic have been able to come back from 5 2 down? I just doubt it a wee bit. I mean, being so, honest, yeah, Raonic, I, you know, I know he's had injuries, but you know, whenever he plays Novak in um, Australia, for example, last couple of times, you think you should be able to get a set, you should be able to be in contention to win us, and it's always like 6 4, 7 6, 6 4. Like, but Bertini, I think he's come here, you know, it's only his fourth time at Wimbledon, I think, or his third time at Wimbledon. And um, he's won the Queen's title. Everyone expected him to win the Queen's title. And then you've got to remember that a lot of people put him under pressure to automatically make the final, you know, before Wimbledon started. He made that final, got a set. I think Novak's level increased. But, um, no, I think he, uh, he certainly, I think he's better than Raonic in the forehand uh, side. He's got a better forehand than Raonic. I think his backhand slice is better than Raonic's. I think uh, yeah, 100%. he could get into the net a wee bit more. Uh, the return, I think yesterday what lost him the match really was uh, his failure to slice on the backhand effectively in the return. I think he was trying to hit the ball too flat in the two-hander, um, which is never a good idea on grass, you know. I think especially if you hit the ball hard, it's difficult to control. But um, listen, I think he's better than Raonic uh, at the moment. I think very harsh to call him a poor man's Raonic. But, uh, I think I'd agree with that, definitely. You see how his career develops, but I'm holding you into account there. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think no, I think he turned up definitely. I wasn't expecting him to do quite as well at the start of the tournament, but he had a lot of really, really brilliant matches. It's the serving in particular. It's been it was really clutch, including in the final. Like the he hits the spots as well. Doesn't just he? Does he hits the spots? You know, that's something Ronich could we could criticize Ronich for great serve in terms of pace, but does he place the ball as well? Maybe not. You know, but yeah, yeah I think he's got that skill. Yeah, and when that forehand's on as well, particularly oh. against her catch, that was just doing nightmares for her catch. He's able to run around it. I mean, he does kind of cover the backhand, certainly, and he runs around it to hit the forehand, and maybe maybe that's a, a problem on other surfaces. But on grass, you know, you hit that forehand, you're really not exposed when you run around into that corner. And he was able to just attack her catch over and over and over again. And even as his net rushing wasn't working at all because the the passes were he's a clutch player that's the thing like he passes well if he's yeah. given time and Harkatch was doing a lot of these net rushes relying on the other player to feel pressurized and it just wasn't working against Berrettini I, I think yeah he's he's definitely got the cojones to possibly win Wimbledon in the future well, I uh, think so yeah he's a he's, he's a contender from now on whereas even though Ranić reached the final in 2016 he did never felt like you know, he came back every year. You feeling like you're a title contender? But like, how did if you look at how they both developed their game? I think Bertini's developed his game more from like a couple of years ago than Brown has. You know, um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Injuries may play a part in that, but I think in terms of the tactical side of the game, he's developed his game more than Milos. So, um, yeah, I think he, I think he can win Wimbledon in the future, especially with likes to sit surpass Medvedev, Rublev not being particularly strong in the surface. You know, I think he's yeah, his peers. That's true. His peers are a lot weaker in the grass. I, that that's a good point. Maybe that s- swings me the other way. Actually, I think he's a title contender, but I don't know if it will actually transpire into a mm. title win. I think he'll always be very close to winning it, but I don't. He's missing a few components. I think at that net game in particular. I think you're right, Gavi. Really wasn't making enough net approaches, and it is because his net game is lackluster compared to the rest of his game. Yeah, so. Absolutely. If that gets better, I think you'll have a really good chance. I mean, Djokovic relied on volleys. Yeah, just look at the title winner. Djokovic was coming into the net a lot, and I mean, loads on break points, like any pressure point. You almost always saw Djokovic at the net, and I think Berrettini needs to take a page out of that book. Yeah, he needs to back himself more. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll see. The jury's out. 
until he gets a little bit better. But I, I think, yeah, he could have a chance. Right, moving on a bit. I would have said my favourite match on the men's side was probably... Probably Djokovic v Shapovalov. It's a very good shout. I'm going to go a bit early in the tournament. I'm going to go for Kyrgios Umber. That was and, a good... I, I was amazed that Kyrgios actually could hold his focus for a five-set match. I know, yeah. And it, it, it lived up to the billing as well. We yeah, were saying it as well. I mean, court one evening, you know, playing until right until 11 o'clock deadline. Great shot-making from both players. Great power display. Um, it's kind of like uh, what you'd want a grass court tennis match to be, really. You know. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah. I mean, again, there's so many good matches to choose from, but that's the one that immediately comes up to to my mind. Fair enough. Yeah, I think for me, the the reason the Shapovalov Djokovic one was so exciting was because Shapovalov really did raise his level compared to previous meetings between them. I sort of touched on this a little bit in the in the article. It's, it's fascinating, actually, just how much better Shapovalov has come over such a short space of time. Yeah. Uh, facing Djokovic only like six months ago, it, he looks so much better against him. And there was more so disciplined. many... Yeah. More disciplined, yeah, on return in particular and his serve as well. And he was, he was able to trouble Djokovic a lot. And it was just really exciting to see this is why I quite like watching Djokovic because Shapovalov really was asking him tough questions, questions that other people wouldn't be able to answer. Yeah. And Djokovic somehow, you know, he scrambles on some points and somehow wins the point. And you're like, that's such a classic Djokovic point. But that's what he does, you know. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was, it was so exciting to see that happen, sort of transpire before us because it was definitely the, the, probably the most difficult match for Djokovic this oh, for tournament. Sure. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So I, I really enjoyed watching it. I think on the ladies' side, yeah, I've, I've covered that already. Kerber and um, Kerber and Barty, for me, yeah. definitely. Did you see any of the ladies' matches, Yes, Gav? I did. I would probably see, purely from a drama standpoint, Ostapenko against uh, Tom Yannick. <laughs> I've not... I'm going to say, I've, I've not clicked on any of those thumbnails, so I don't know what was said. What, what did they say uh, between uh, each other, do you know? Yeah, pretty much it was uh, controversial because... Uh, Ostapenko basically took an injury timeout at four love down when Tommy Andrich was about to serve in the third set. And uh, needless to say, Tommy Andrich wasn't very happy about that. And uh, once oh, was said at the end, but um, I thought it was impressive how Tommy Andrich was able to kind of keep her cool. You know, when you're about to serve, it wasn't even a medical timeout to change events. It was like when she was about to serve. So obviously that breaks your rhythm. And uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Impressed that uh, Tommy Andrews came through that one because it would be very easy just to drop your level, let that distract you, and lose the match. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was entertaining. Um, yeah, good to watch. Yeah, fair enough. I like a bit of drama myself, so I don't blame you. <laughs> we'll move on to. I mean, that's yeah, favorite matches covered. I think we'll move on to sort of looking forward for a few players that that, that competed in the tournament this year. So one just off the top of my head is the uh, the future for Emma Raducanu. What do you mm. think? Uh, she really impressed me this tournament, definitely. At least yep. um, really good serve and just super just up to the task. She didn't look scared by what she, uh, what you know what she had to do sort of thing. She didn't look yeah. nervous. I mean, I hope she's given a few wild cards into tournaments, you know, to help her out because I think she did show her talent, the potential. You'd like to see her maybe get one for the US Open. Will that happen? You know, I think there's all different types of wild card policies for tournaments. I think certain amount go to the host nation, then you've got deals between Grand Slams, but um 
Oh, no, I think if, if she gets a chance to play in the big stage it would, as soon as possible, that would benefit her, you know. I think um, if she went back to, like, the lower-level professional tournaments, maybe she'd lose a bit of that momentum because it's yeah, obviously yeah. tougher to grind that out at the lower level. But uh, I think if she kind of has the opportunity to play in bigger stages more regularly, that should develop a game, you know. But whether she's going to be given the wild cards to do that or the help to do that, um, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, I think everyone was impressed with how she played, you know. She looked... Um, Brilliant, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought she looked amazing. I, I would agree with that. I would say as well the the you know her having I think I think it was a panic attack. She said she had a panic attack or something similar to that. At least certainly nerves caught up with her. I think in her last. I know I said she was nervous. She certainly played nervously, but you know, obviously, she was actually feeling nerves, and she said that was the reason. She said that was the reason she was feeling a bit breathless on court. I don't think that'll matter. She's eighteen years old. You know, she's going to come back every single time she comes back to a tournament like this. She's going to feel more and more comfortable with it. I don't think she'd ever been to a match where she was, you know, being spectated by more than sort of a hundred people at a time before this. So it's a big leap, isn't it? Big. Yeah, exactly. And I think reality kind of just kicked in for her eventually. Yeah. Uh, no, so I know what you mean. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, the whole Pierce Morgan thing and stuff. I just oh, think don't bring him into this. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I mentioned it. I'll just say f- off Pierce. That's dumb as. F- and no that's offensive. it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I think she'll be I think she'll be a good player. I, I actually genuinely was really impressed by what she had and I think some of that those weapons are just gonna get bigger with time. So yeah. She'll she'll have a good chance of making a, an impact at some point, maybe at Wimbledon, who knows? Uh, how about Andy Murray? Oh, what do you think? Age old question. <laughs> The one that Andrew <laughs> Castle keeps asking every minute of every day. I know we 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 covered we, uh, we I covered it a little bit last week with uh, the other co-host Sam, um, so we don't need to go into too much detail. But just maybe just your opinion on it, Gav. Do you think that was his last uh, hurrah? What do you think? I think I think uh, this is my personal opinion. Obviously, I think uh, it was a reality check for him. I think, as I said, I think before the start of the tournament, I think you've got to get through these early rounds without dropping sets if you want to have any chance of having a deep run. But I think uh, the fact he was pushed to five against Otter, Bazlash really, you know, inconsistent player, took a set off him. I think that uh, the Shapovalov match was a reality check. If I were him, I would think, or one of his team members, uh, I would say to him to focus on doubles. You know, there's serious gains you can make in doubles. He could set himself a goal of trying to complete the career slam in doubles. You know, that would be a genuine chance for winning a major you know do i think you're winning on a major now no can he win a 250 perhaps but uh, it's gonna be even more and more difficult for him and the problem is he's not playing enough matches to build up you know into any sort of form you know i thought against otter in the first couple of sets he looked great and then when the pressure moment came he just kind of didn't have it maybe that was due to lack of match practice match experience lack of confidence in his body thinking i've got to get this done in three or i'm going to be struggling here I think the roof um, coming on during that second round match helped him enormously. Would I think he would have got through it without the roof? Maybe not. I don't want to be pessimistic about Andy. Listen, great career. You can't criticise him for keep trying to, to play at a high level. But for me, I think somebody's got to pull him aside and say, your body's going to get worse. There's going to be more toll on your body the longer you try and play singles. Are we going to win a slam again? Probably not. That's reality check. But there's no reason why you can't go onto the doubles court Find the right partner. People would be queuing up to play him because he's such a great player. Find the right doubles partner and say, right, let's try and win. Pure slam and doubles, let's try and win as much as we can in a doubles court. Because Bob Bryan, I think, I think it was Bob Bryan that had the same hit problem. 
and uh, he had still had success in his career. I think Andy's a good enough follower. I think he's good enough mover to cover half the court. We saw that at Queens when he won it with Lopez. So for me, I think it was unfortunate reality check. He gave us some classic throwback moments during the first couple of rounds, but I think the Shapovalov match, I'll be honest, first couple of sets, pretty sad to watch, especially the first half an hour, because we, you knew he was struggling. You knew Shapovalov was mentally tougher, improved Shapovalov from years gone by. For me, I'd be saying to Mandy, you've had a great singles career, but let's try for your body's sake and for the sake of your health, you know, let's try and go to the doubles court, let's try and have a great doubles career. After the surgery, you could achieve some great things. You'll win slams, but can it happen in the singles court without him doing serious harm? I don't think so. That's that's my take. Yeah, I I see that point. Certainly, I wouldn't be the person to pull him aside and say, "Look, you've you've had it. I don't know who's gonna be that person," because I don't think it's it's gonna come of his own accord unless he really does something bad to himself. It's just I, a, it's a question for him is. Is making the third round of a major good enough for Murray? You know, oh, it's is that not. good enough for him? And yeah. he, I don't think the ambition that he's got, I don't think it is. But I could be wrong. Maybe he loves singles so much he wants to continue doing that. But he said, did say, I think in his press conference, was it worth all the, the work, the hard work and the rehab to get here to make the third round? For a player that's a champion like that, I just don't think it is. I just don't think... I mean, you saw Sampras, for example, he lost to George Bastel. First round of Wimbledon, no two, and he was done within a year. You know, I think yeah, these champions, these champions probably don't like just making the third round. Yeah, you no, know, I think they want to be able to win terms. I think the doubles court provides them the unique opportunity of still having great success and great slam wins um, without putting the strain that singles would in his body. So yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there definitely. At the same time, I still I'll do, yeah all I said last week basically was I'd like to see him with a bit of match practice under his belt, and then if he's still losing, fine. You know yeah. that's me being my piece with it. But I think he, he he still needs that match experience behind him to really prove whether or not his body is capable of winning matches like that. But we'll we'll see what let's. Move on from Andy, because uh, yeah, well, let's not talk about him too much. Uh, we'll move on to a very similar topic in Roger Federer. Uh, his quarterfinal loss to Hubert Harkatch. Uh, Is he done? Who knows? I just think the scheduling for Roger was bizarre. I think um, playing Roland Garros was a strange decision. I think if I were him or one of his team, I would have maybe thought, well, you're stronger than grass, Roger. How about we play Stuttgart? And even if you lose early in Stuttgart, you get a build-up of matches, then that builds into Haller, and Haller builds into Wimbledon. For me, I think he was caught sort of banking in having a deep run in Haller, didn't pay off. And then for Wimbledon, maybe that left him a bit undercooked, certainly in the match court. I mean, I'd never seen Roger shank so many tennis balls than in that first-round match in Manorino. Yeah, that was, it was really The, the shanks yeah. were, and I'm not being harsh on him here, because I'm sure he would say the same thing, at least I hope he would anyway, um, that... Uh, you know, shanking so many balls. Roger, you know, it's all about the timing. You know, it's, he's a very much a flow player when it's not flowing. I don't think he's as able as, say, a Djokovic or Rafa to kind of pull it back. I think he's very much a time, timing sort of base player. Likes to be fluid when that motion sort of starts to break down. Can he get it back? Not Maybe not as well as other his peers in the big four. But um, do I think Roger can win another slam? I just think that age might be catching up with him a wee bit. I don't think he could win another major, but who knows? But I'm just saying I don't think he will. 
I, I think I think I still think he has a chance, honestly. I think his match against Hercatch was closer than the scoreline suggests, definitely. That second set yeah. really should have been his, to yeah, be honest. Maybe a tiebreaker, really. It, it, was, it was quite unlucky, definitely. You know, he's falling over and stuff and he, there was maybe there were six points in a row. And the, the, he had he either won or he had the chance to win at the start of the tiebreak, and I think he dropped three or four of them maybe. And he, you know, if he'd won that set, it would it wouldn't have been six love in the third set, definitely. Yeah, that he that would have lost the momentum. Yeah, that was a I don't Killer. want to be going to five sets here sort of thing. Like knowing that even if he did win that match, he would have been too tired to compete probably in the next match because he is going to be involved in matches where he's going to have to dig deep deeper than he's ever had to do before and if he's struggling with that and he's admitted that in the press comms, if he's struggling with that now how's it going to be in a year's time I know, yeah. I mean people will say oh, you know, he's Roger Federer I know he's Roger Federer but I don't know, I just don't see it but it could happen it you could know. happen, I, I think I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to totally write him off yet, I think he'll have a chance and I certainly I think Wimbledon is probably the only place it's happening, so let's maybe hold our breath till next year. But that that would be the last chance, probably. If not, he's retiring earlier than that. I just think the knee's not coping well with any surface that's that's harder than grass. I mean, he okay, he says he pulled out of the French. He, he says he pulled out of the French because he was injured, I guess, or mm. or did he say that actually? Did he say? Did he just admit? Outright that he wanted to prepare for Wimbledon. I think it was to rest the knee. I think the knee. Yeah, it was to rest. Yeah, the knee. I think that was what he put. But yeah, I mean, that's well, so and I think the same will be the, the, the it'll be the same at the hard court slams as well. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I I'm kind of in the same boat with Serena Williams as well. Yeah, to, to some extent. Although I think she has a better chance than Federer, if only because they're playing best She's of three rather than best of better, five. But what I would say is she needs to play more tournaments. You know. Yeah. Karina doesn't play that many tournaments a year. And you know, we, we talk about training blocks and practice, and that's very important. But at the end of the day, you can't just kind of rock up to these tournaments now, especially with the quality of players in the women's game. And just think, right, I don't have to play a tournament. I could maybe, maybe play one tournament before the major starts, a week before the, tour, the Grand Slam. I can just turn up and rattle through a draw. I just don't think it's possible anymore. You know, She needs to maybe play a few more tournaments. Okay, she might not want to do that because she's Serena Williams, but. I think it has to be done if you want to be winning these bigger tournaments. Um, yeah. It's probably the same with Roger with the practice. You know, it's great to practice and all that, but I think you need to put yourself under the pressure of match play in order to try and get to that level again where you're winning matches at the Grand Slams. But uh, yeah. you know, it's probably got a chance. But again, like Roger, how many more times are we going to be seeing the next one, the next one, the next one? You know, I think, so again, it sounds harsh, but I just think it's probably not going to happen. But yeah, it could, yeah. you know, it could. It's always open. You know, you never know. Yeah, the whole tournament, like having tournaments under your belt for going into the match, going into a slam, is probably most important for Serena. I would say just because of the fact a slow start gets punished worse in the women's game than the men's game. You know, Short obviously, format, yeah, yeah, with best of three matches, and also not being able to, you know, rely on your service heavily as well. Maybe not so much in Serena's case. Obviously, having the best serve of all time, yeah. but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Um, if she's got any chance at the US, maybe maybe our best chance of a slam possibly could be. at the US. Then yeah, matches under her belt, and I think she could be in with a proper chance because when she's when she's in form, 
she's made it a run deep in the tournament pretty much every time. You know, yeah, she just, no, she you're just, right. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think US Open will be a really good chance for her, definitely. Yep. Right, Gav, thank you very much. For thank you very much. That, that, was, that was 40 very quick minutes, wasn't it? It was, it just flew by, didn't it? It did, indeed, yeah. It flowed very well, I thought, yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks very much for listening. This has been the online podcast. If you want to see any of my blog, you can go to jackedward.substack.com. If you want to see any of Gav's work, go to Last Word on Tennis. Type in Gavin Lang in the search bar or something. You can see you all his articles there. Yep. Yeah, if you want to put yourself through that, that, that's where you can find us. If you're interested in more, until then, we'll find you on the podcast next time. Thanks very much, Gav. Thank you very much, Jack. Cheers.